0: Carlson,
1: Carlson, världens bästa Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, Carlson Hoj, här kommer Carlson Carlson, Carlson, Carlson. Ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Carlson, vill jag så bra som mig Carlson, Carlson scores! Carlson
0: yes yeah. Carlson är det bästa Carlson vackras
1: Welcome everybody to another episode of the It Girls and Fantasy Hockey Podcast, the longest running fantasy hockey podcast in the world, hosted by two guys, one of whom has close exciting matchups every week in the Cacupo, and the other one just gets blown out all the time, but that's okay, because we're still having a good time. I'm your host, Elon Dubrovsky, and with me to talk about everything that's been going on in the past week of fantasy action, answer a lot of patron questions, talk about some injuries, we're going to talk about goalies, we're going to talk about all the positions, but we're going to start with goalies. Anyways, the person with me who's going to do all this is
0: your friend and mine, Brian Com. Hello, Elon. Hello, everybody. It's lovely to be with you for another week of fancy action where, yes, we are going to like for me, it's coming down to the wire again. Last week, I won on uh, on a, on a game winning Shea Theodore assist to Jack Eichel and then had to watch the Anaheim Toronto game with bated breath until Trevor Zegras put it away and ended it because my opponent had Tavares and Terry in that game. And like just seeing that game end was the best thing ever. So I, I I just squeezed by by less than a shot on goal. So one more shot for Terry Tavares would have been cooked. This week is shaping up similarly. It's fun. I like it. You know what the worst thing is though, Elon? Do you remember my opponent Sammy in Tier 3 Binghamton of the GCFPL.com um had a stat miscounted. Like Yahoo did a stat correction on Monday, but it came in too late. For it to be counted towards the <laughs> matchup. So Sammy was actually the rightful winner of the matchup and i'm skating away <laughs> with my f- i don't know is uh, that <laughs> 45 hundredths of a point victory is that a
1: yahoo thing or was that like on all the platforms like i guess with fan tracks you can make the setting for if you want it to like go back and update it or not you have like some more configuration but i think it's like the nhl it's not that yahoo right it's probably the, it's NHL the nhl updated the stat yeah delayed.
0: they updated the stat too late which is crazy because i think it was a game from the very start of the week but of course you know if i saw that number different i might have made different choices through the week maybe my Opponent would have too. Anyway, mm-hmm. good game, Sammy. And uh, right now, I'm going toe to toe with Corey Sea Dog. Right okay. now, yeah. So good luck to me.
1: Well, I just got killed by BrandonWeeb.com this week. Uh, I, this is a new experience for me, Brian. I, you know, I'm trying to take it in and learn something because I've actually never not made the playoffs. In all my experience in cupful, pretty much any fantasy league, from, from being honest. And uh, it's not going that well for me so far. And I think it's a good, I, you know, I'm proud of myself for not being as stressed out as I normally would be. Maybe it's because I've got like some other stuff going on in life. That's not an excuse, you know, and I, I, I'd also, it's like now I have a fun challenge. I have a team that's not that great. I'm going to see if I can turn it around. I keep making bad moves. It would help if I didn't drop Kuzmenko a couple weeks ago. That was really dumb. Uh, You know,
0: but you we'll do see- that sometimes, and sometimes it really works out for you. Like, you are very brave with your ads. Like, yeah. you dropped Ryan Hartman. I think you were one of the first to drop him. That hasn't hurt you at all. Uh, you yeah, well, traded the Josh is- Norris. That didn't <laughs> hurt you either. Like, you make some aggressive moves, and I feel like they work out more often than not.
1: Yeah, the problem is I've made some aggressive drops, but all of my ads have been not great. <laughs> so, that's not, not helping me. Uh, There's like uh, Cole Perfetti, Shane Pinto look like they should be in good spots and to produce, but like, We'll talk about the monster. I don't know if we're gonna talk about Perfetti. Perfetti's like in a good spot. He gets an assist every now and then, but it's like for fantasy, I'm starting to realize like not that good. Like he doesn't shoot enough. He doesn't do anything. And then uh, Shane Pinto in this great anyways, I've had a few ads like this that just haven't kind of worked out. But you know what? Whatever. I'm gonna try my best. And you know, if I lose, I'm still gonna have a good time. Still gonna do this podcast with you every Sunday, talking through uh, what's going on in the NHL, because that's what makes this all so fun. So let's get into it, Brian. Of course, after one last thing, which is to mention that we are presented by DauberHockey.com, your number one fantasy hockey website out there. It's cool to be able to say that every week, because I've been using that site forever. Frozen tools, amazing. I use that to prep the show. I love their new Dober News. Uh, twitter feed super handy let's check it all out com. but okay with that brian like i said in the intro i want to start with some goalie talk okay we got a lot of goalie news going on we got injuries got some interesting hot and cold goalies but let's start obviously with the biggest news of the week which is that Ilya samsonov was hurt in Toronto's 2-1 win over Boston yesterday. Uh, he got hurt on a Brad Marchand penalty shot. It's a knee injury. My sense is we don't know the extent of the injury yet. I think there was a quote today saying it's like at least a week, maybe longer, so, you know, not great. Which is too bad. Sam Sonov having a nice bounce-back season over on Toronto. Six wins, nine twenty one save percentage through eight games. Uh, we've also seen some news today that Matt Murray, with that groin injury, is maybe like a week away. But I'm going to tell you something, listeners. I'm pretty confident that Matt Murray will not be back in a week. Just a guess. And I think if he does come back, he might not stay in the net for a week. I don't have much confidence in Matt Murray's health. I'll, I'm just going to say that off the bat. But, like, obviously, if Matt Murray's in your free agency, now's a good time probably to stash him uh, because he, once he's healthy, he's going to play, especially with Samsonov hurt now. Uh, in the meantime, we've got Eric Schalgren playing today versus Carolina. And it looks like the game is over. And I was I was going to come on and just totally bash Eric Schalgren Calgren, who's, by the way, spelled uh, Calgren for people searching for him uh, on Yahoo right now, uh, saying he's not a very good goalie, but uh, he had a good game today, actually. He's up 29 of 30 in this 3-1 win over the Canes, so before that he stunk but uh now uh, i guess well whatever he's the starting goalie and he had a good game now so he'll get the next game and probably you want to go get him for the short term while we're waiting for either murray and by the way like i said i'm not too confident in murray so if samsonov's hurt a long time i wouldn't be surprised if shalgren ends up playing a lot the backup today was a guy named keith petruzzelli who wasn't even signed by the team before this injury he got signed called up he's actually having a really good season in the ahl he's 6-0 with a 922 save percentage with the toronto marlies so brian uh, i guess we have to just be recommending for people to go and grab eric Schalgren for the short term right
0: you sound thrilled to be doing that Elon. <laughs> and like i know the thing with the leafs goalie even in the best of times it's challenging when is the last time it's been basically a calendar year since jack campbell started last season so hot that a leafs goalie has really been consistently reliable for you and there is the the trouble with being a leafs goalie is that you're playing behind a team that's really tight defensively, a little less so this year, but generally still in the top 10 teams defensively, according to expected goals against it, even strength. And that means you might only face 20, 22 shots a night, which means if you let in two or three, uh, you might still win, but your save percentage won't be so awesome. And that's the challenge for anyone in the Leafs net. And uh, right now that challenge belongs to Eric Schalgren, who, you know, before I looked at his numbers, Elon, I was definitely going to come on and say well, I can't rely on Eric Schalgren. I have no interest in even thinking of relying on Eric Schalgren, given the problem of being a Leafs goalie. And the fact that so far this season, going into tonight's games, Schalgren had three starts, zero of them were quality. Last season, he had 12 starts, five of them were quality. So 42%, 880 save percentages for his career. And then like So I'm I'm like, okay, I'll just look at his numbers just to see if anything is really standing out for Shalgren, do my due diligence, and imagine my surprise when looking up Shalgren's numbers. He's actually been pretty darn good this year compared to his expected save percentage at five on five. He actually is the same amount above his expected number this year as Thatcher Demko was last year. And we have very good things to say about Thatcher Demko, right? Yeah, um, this is
1: five on five. I'm i I'm taking it that he's letting in a bunch of goals that uh, yeah, are shorthanded.
0: Yeah, Shalgren's been sunk by by a very bad shorthanded performance. His, his penalty kill save percentage is 820, which is about 60 basis points lower than what we'd want to see. But, you know, he also just wasn't that good last year, Shalgren. And I think I, I'm trying to find reason to... Look, I'm going to keep an open mind about every goalie, for sure, because we have no idea what to make of them. I think this just might be a small sample talking. I don't know that Shalgren has really turned the corner. Which brings us to Keith Petruzzelli who had a 9.27 save percentage in 23 games with the Newfoundland Growlers of the ECHL last season, then got a, earned a cup of coffee in the AHL thanks to that, put up a 9.02 save percentage in a few games. And this year, Elon, as you said, uh, Petrozelli's looked good, 9.22 save percentage, six wins, no losses with the Toronto Marlies. But again, Petrozelli is going to run into the same problem as Shalkin, which is one, uh, not proven as an NHL goalie, And two, this is a bad place to do it because you're not going to see a whole lot of shots. If you make a mistake, then those mistakes are magnified in your save percentage because you're not getting endless opportunities to make up for it. So, oh, yeah, I guess the actionable advice here is I think I'd stream if you're desperate or if wins are if wins are really valuable in your league sure go for it but a safe percentage matters or you want to find like a high volume kind of guy see who else is out there the, the leaf stream for my uh kakupful team the keeping carlson ultimate patron fancy league kkupfl.com oh for more God. info <laughs> i i didn't say what it's what it stood for before um you did Leafs, already the leaves no <that- that- i just said the link okay. but this won't be a weekly thing the, the conversation that surrounds the the, the, K-Kupful, the couple link plug. Um, what I'm saying though is for my couple team, shall, uh, the Leafs goalie is rarely my first choice to stream. Never my first choice to stream. Like I'd rather go Martin Jones, who will or Vitek Vanacek, both of whom we'll be talking about shortly.
1: Yeah, I, I think I agree with that, especially since, you know, whatever, Matt Murray might be back soon for however long he can hold up. But I mean, if, you know, those guys are taken, you want to go with, going to play games. Shawgren had a good game today. I don't see why you don't just grab him if you, you know, could fit him into the Leafs games next week. Uh, by the way, sticking with Toronto, let's talk about a snoozer potential guy here in Michael Bunting, who got an assist on saturday but that was his only point in like you know he was pointless for five games before that he also had no points today it's like michael bunting's having a kind of a dud of a season like he only has six points in 13 games now and like it's not like he's been bumped from that great line i guess he was like for a a game or two but like today's game for example versus carolina i'm seeing oh wait actually looking at the lines uh Okay, no, these are all new lines that they ran today. Matthews, Nilander, Kerfoot, and then Tavares, Marner, Nick Robertson. And then also there was some time with Tavares, Kerfoot, Nylander. Okay, Bunting played a bit. I guess they were shifting things around. Anyways, there was time where Bunting was playing with Matthews and Marner. Anyway... Is it the kind of thing that you just hold bunting no matter what while he's in that spot because it's such a great spot and he was able to produce so much last year or is there a point because, you know, I had the same this problem last year where bunting was in this spot and he had a cold streak around this time of the year and I remember I dropped him in a couple of my leagues and then I really regretted it because he went on to have this like Calder nominated season. So my hunch is to say to not drop bunting even if he's like driving you crazy as long as he's going to hold this spot and even if he, and also don't forget there's the risk of like oh you see on gamedaytweets.com that uh bunting is playing on the third line so you're like okay I guess I could drop him now guess what that's what I did with Kuzmenko on the Canucks and he was like playing on a bad line I was like okay I guess he's droppable now then the next game he was back playing with Pedersen and now he's on fire so you know uh, I don't know my I'd be concerned recommending to drop bunting I'd almost say like now look for someone else to drop him and hope that you can get him for free uh, but Brian what do you think cuz it is very disappointing so far there is a chance he's just maybe not going to be able to replicate what he did last year
0: the weird thing well what he did last year was awesome michael bunting with 65 points as his pace with zero power play production well not zero but close to zero power play production and uh this season he actually started okay the interesting bit for bunting is that he was producing when austin matthews wasn't And curiously, now that Austin Matthews is producing, uh, Michael Bunting has gone ice cold. Um, One thing for him is that even though his shot rates are down, his shot attempt rates are up. So I don't think it's a, you know, it's a sure thing that he's not going to be as successful a shooter this year. Because if you look at his shot counts per game, they're down, even though he's playing, I think, a couple, one or two more shifts on average at five on five per night. Um, I think... Bunting is bitten a little right now. His own shooting, he's shooting 5% versus his usual 13% at 5-on-5 five five. on the ice. He and his teammates are shooting 6% versus their usual 13%. And I think this still does correlate to Austin Matthews' slow start. I think Michael Bunting is going to get back on track. I'm not terribly worried about what I'm seeing from him. Like, I see enough markers of poor variance, bad luck, that I think he's going to come back. And be just fine so dropping him I wouldn't blame you a lot of people dropped him last year I was one of the lucky ones who picked him up and and rode him as far as I could and uh I, I think if you drop him Elon again you wouldn't be wrong to drop him based on what you've seen so far especially with the blender we're seeing tonight I'm kind of just seeing if uh if there's any more to read into this like if there's some kind of demotion because my notes going into tonight before I saw those lines were that I, I think Bunting's gonna get back on track so long as he survives any further line blending That could happen in Toronto. They're they're looking for answers. Marner and Matthews, can they keep playing together? I always love in Toronto. It's like a threat. They're such good buddies. It's a threat to separate them. Mitch, if you and Austin aren't putting up points, we're going to separate you. And that would be my concern, that Bunting doesn't land back there. But I think, come on, I think he's the most sensible guy to land back there. And I, I think he'll be fine. So, yeah, I consider Michael Bunting a good buy low.
1: Yeah. And if if you do want to drop him, maybe if you're in the type of league where you think you can drop him for now, just make sure you have him on your watch list and ready to like grab back, you know, before someone else does.
0: Yeah, I just might want to see him get off this fourth line first. He's definitely been demoted.
1: Yeah, well, so we'll have to see what happens for the next game. Go ahead and check out uh, gamedaytweets.com. We'll definitely keep you updated there. Shams always with the retweets. So let's go to New Jersey now. Because remember, this is the goalie section of the show. So, you know, and when I say it's the goalie section, we're obviously going to veer around once we're on a team. But let's go to New Jersey now. Mackenzie Blackwood was hurt on Tuesday. Apparently, he's going to meet some doctors. Uh, next week. So we'll find out. Hopefully, he has a good meeting with his doctor. In the meantime, Vitek Vanacek is red hot. Five wins in his last five games. In fact, if you take out his pizza to start the season versus Detroit, Vanacek's been a 933 save percentage goalie with a 1.64 goals against average since. Like, he's been great all year, and his numbers just aren't that great just because of how badly he fared in his first game, letting in five goals on 22 shots versus Detroit. But yeah, like, he's been great. Now, Blackwood is hurt so it's like wow there's no reason that vanacek should be a free agent anyway, right like i like new jersey they score a lot of goals and he's hot and now he doesn't have any competition we'll see what the doctors say about blackwood but i feel like yeah definitely if you're looking at shalgren or vanacek definitely i think it's vanacek no question right
0: yeah, I would take Vanacek for sure, especially because I, I know you don't you da- you have your doubts that Matt Murray is gonna get in the lineup anytime soon. But if he does, then that's it for Shalgren. And even with Shalgren, it might be that's it for Shalgren. Um Meanwhile, Vanacek has been doing great, and he's the guy. While the devil's wait for answers on Mackenzie Blackwood. Vanacek gave up three goals on 30 shots against in his last outing, but that was after four and a half games where he gave up like the half was cause he, he came in for Blackwood when Blackwood got hurt. Um, but in those appearances, Vanacek gave up two goals or less each time. And, uh, that's awesome for Vitek Vanacek. It's not something he does with regularity. Like, this is a guy, we've talked about his inconsistent streak. You can't rely on Vitek Vanacek, but I also kind of see him right now. Well, first, he's on a team that's going to win. I actually don't see him as so different than those Toronto goalies. I like him better than Shalgren because he's had good runs in the NHL before, where Shalgren hasn't. But similar to Toronto... Uh, Vanicek is on a great defensive team that should offer him pretty good run support and protection. Actually, New Jersey right now has the best defense in the league at five on five right now. They and the Hurricanes are in a class of their own in terms of team defense and even strength. But again, you're in this classic problem where uh, Vanek might only see 20 or 25 shots because that he'll give up two or three goals and he might get you the win again so in where where wins are weighted heavily vanacek is more valuable than in leagues where you're getting save points you know that are some version of save percentage Uh, so that's that's the thing to look out with vanacek like i didn't race to add vanacek in a one because I, w- I didn't know if I was going to need the ad later down the road, but also because I was nonplussed by Vaynerchuk's track record, his inconsistency. Right. And can, I, can I push also, back a little bit if, well, if you don't mind? Uh, yeah, but let me just finish that thought. Sure. Like uh, in the cup full, we have a low reward for a win, right? Like it's, it's not a huge reward for a goalie win. you get two points, it's the equivalent of four shots on goal. So mm-hmm. like for, for me, eh, I, I want a goalie who's going to face a lot of shots and do a pretty good job of stopping them.
1: I mean, I also want to go. who's going to play a lot of games, which I think Vanacek is going to do now if Blackwood is out. So I think that would still tip the scales in his favor. And I'll, I feel like you always bring up uh, how he's so inconsistent. Like, he's had a very short career. Like, he's only he's pretty new to the NHL. He's only 26 years old. Last year, yeah, he had some struggles with Washington. He still ended up with, like, a 908 save percentage. Like, I don't... The Caps just gave him away for nothing. But, like, I think that... Uh, I'm not ready to just be like, oh, Vanichek's like inconsistent and we can't rely on him, you know? Like, I feel like he's in a new opportunity and a good defensive team, like you're saying. And I so far, so good. So I'm not. I'm not just going to like write him off and be like, he's not a goalie we can depend on. Like at this point, I'm ready to like say, wipe the slate clean. Let's see how he does this year.
0: That's very forgiving of you. The Kraken also gave Vitek Vanacek away for nothing. If you remember, they got him in an expansion, then oh, traded yeah. him back for a, <laughs> for like nothing, right? Or a second round draft pick. They,
1: well, they got like, out of the deal, but yeah, they were like, "Wow, oh, we got uh, Grubauer. We don't need. We don't need Vanacek. We got the best goalie here."
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh. Um, shame. Yeah, I, so my problem with Vanacek is every time he plays well, the wheels fall off before long. Like, these four strong appearances in a row, I'm not sure he's done that before in, in the NHL. Like, he's had at most a couple good weeks, and then enough bad outings to be like, I need to drop this guy over the last two seasons. His quality start percentage was under 50%, so not not great. 36 sure. quality starts out of, like, 75 actual starts that's yeah well, I, I know, jacob markstrom also on. had a
1: slow start to his career and markstrom ended up you know being amazing i'm not while, saying so. yeah
0: for sure i'm not saying it's impossible for vanacek to do well i'm also looking at his five on five numbers Elon. they're poor he's playing like a lot his expected fenug's eight percentage is 945 uh, his actual is 929 that's a like that's a substantial difference 16 basis points column okay that's a love that's a huge, yeah. that's a huge, like usually anyone over 10 basis points below their expected number, danger zone. This I is feel danger like, zone uh, plus.
1: We had zero mentions of the term basis points <laughs> this it's season. It's new this year.
0: Now it's like, no, like not even this episode. We had none all season and now it's been said three times just uh, on this one show. <laughs> I've said it a couple times already. Well, so should I say save points instead? I don't know, whatever. Because we're talking I, like three tenths, like we're talking percentages, right? Yeah, like for sure. a decimal places. If no, there's great. a better, if there's a better. Maybe I'll call them save points.
1: I, I think it's fine. And I think, uh, I guess Brian and I are just gonna have to agree to disagree here. I say Russian grab Vanacek. Like you definitely say want him I go get right him now. too. Oh, okay. So there yeah. you go. I think I don't yeah. disagree.
0: I just say, be ready to be disappointed.
1: All right. I think you're going to be fine. <laughs> I like New Jersey. I think you want to have their starting goalie. Uh, Next up, let's go to Seattle. We brought up Philip Grubauer. He's week to week. All of a sudden... Okay, Brian. <laughs> okay. If you are like concerned that Vitek Vanacek is an inconsistent goalie that you can't really rely on to stay doing well, then I can't imagine you're going to be too excited about this guy I'm about to recommend in Martin Jones over in Seattle. He's been like so bad for so long. In San Jose, they ended up having to buy him out because they just couldn't win with him. He went to Philly last year. I guess he was like okay as the backup. Whatever. Philly was a mess last year. Uh, now Martin Jones is in Seattle. He had a few bad games to start the year. Phil Grubauer got injured. It's like, oh man, they're in trouble. But now all of a sudden, with Martin Jones as the starter, he's been good. His last three games, he has led in only three goals total. He stopped 35-37 of in a big win over Pittsburgh yesterday to bring the Kraken to 7-4-2 on the season. Like, this is not your grandparents' Seattle Kraken here. This looks like a good team uh, if they could get goaltending. And Martin Jones is your de facto starter for however long Grubauer is out. I don't think we have an update yet of if he's going to come back anytime soon. But uh, of course, we've got a much longer history of Martin Jones not being good than Vitek Vanacek. Uh, So... I don't know Brian like I'd be curious to get your comparison of the two options let's say for however long assuming Blackwood and Grubauer are going to be out for the same amount of time let's just compare and contrast whether you go for Martin Jones or Vitek Vanacek because I'm going to throw it out there I think you want both of them I think I'm ready to ride Martin Jones for a bit I added him in Cupful and you know maybe I'll get bitten with a big negative game coming up but I, just, I just think Seattle's like looking like a pretty good team and maybe Martin Jones is going to be able to you know ride this hot streak out for a little bit maybe like he'll have a bad game every now and then but give me the starter on the Kraken who's doing well
0: well, yeah, exactly. That the last part is key. Give me the starter on the Kraken has not been a winning strategy ever since their inception. But give me him if he's doing well has rarely been an option. But Martin freaking Jones, this guy keeps rearing his head. It's it's uh, Elon. I feel like he, Martin Jones has to be one of the most discussed players on this podcast over recent years, which speaks to Jones's inconsistent nature when we have to constantly revisit and add data and update our view of him. He's good. He's bad. He's awful. Maybe he's good. Is he worth a shot? Huge opportunity. You can't even add this guy. I don't even want him if he's starting. Now he's a must-have. This is the the story of Martin Jones. And the, the truth is, Martin Jones has only ever looked actually good for any stretch of substantial time He's been in the league nearly a decade, and it was nearly a decade ago that Martin Jones looked any good when he made 19 appearances with the Kings as a rookie in 2013-14. Elon, that's the year that Martin Jones and Ken Talbot both burst on the scene as surprising backups taken over from long tenured goalies, Jonathan Quick and Henrik Lundqvist, when they both had what appeared to be devastating injuries for their teams. Martin Jones, Ken Talbot came in to save the day, cashed in on big contracts shortly after, Uh, but Martin Jones has not been good since that moment as a rookie. Since then, Jones has slid from average to awful to not quite awful, but still decidedly not good. Jones is the kind of guy you could just barely tolerate if he was getting you wins, which he wasn't in recent years with the Sharks and the Flyers, but this year but this year Martin it's going to Jones, be different. <laughs> yeah, maybe this year. Uh Jones is actually off to a really good start. At 5 on 5 and there is a job very much available to steal. We've just never seen him go very long without stumbling. That said, if Jones can regain even average goalie status from or, form from earlier in his career, that should be enough to get even with a healthy Grubauer, who was downgraded from, you know, maybe he'll be back soon to week to week. it's never a good sign. Um, maybe Jones, even with Grubauer healthy, if he holds up, big if, could get two out of three starts the rest of the way. Uh, versus Vanacek, you know, I just want to clarify also about Vanacek. I said in our, in our little private chat that we have going on Discord that, grabbing with our network crew that vanacek is like a winner's move because i was asking like oh should i it's where i ask for advice sometimes i don't want my opponents to see and i wasn't gonna but i knew that some shark was gonna go out and be the one to get vanacek like someone hyper alert and competitive and sure enough one of the teams that i know to be one of the most competitive my division did get him but i ended up with martin jones as my consolation prize um and i think I, you know what, Elon? Between them, I don't know. I think they both fit the same profile. I will say that at five on five, Martin Jones has been better. Um as far as like team quality, the Devils the Devils might be the best team in the NHL, Elon. I'm just gonna oh, wow. put it out there. They like if you're going by um so they, like I already said, they're the best defensive team at five on five, uh by expected goals against rates, and they in Carolina are basically the only teams that are elite ahead of the rest. And the Devils are in a class of their own in producing expected goals for 60 minutes, like completely on their own. They're doing incredibly well in that respect. They've been submarined by bad goaltending, which suddenly when Blackwood plays well and Vandacek plays well, oh, look, we are convinced that this is an amazing team. So I think I might want Vandacek if I'm in a wins-heavy league. Um, but if I'm looking for an edge and save percentage or even just volume, I might lean Martin Jones. The Kraken are still like a mid-pack quality team which is good like that's a compliment to the Kraken and they're still a top 10 defensive team too right in the same neighborhood as the Leafs have been so far this year so you know what give me Martin Jones just because maybe just maybe he'll get an extra five to seven shots a night and that'll be enough to make up for the lousy goal that he inevitably lets in
1: Hmm. Okay. I mean, it's definitely close to a coin flip. I would go Vanacek because I just I'm still concerned about Martin Jones being like really terrible, and he's just somehow had a good yeah. week. Uh, but and who knows? Win, oh.
0: And wins heavy league, I'd go Vanacek. Like okay, if yeah. values on wins, Vanacek. Values on safe percentage, Jones
1: by the way this is why we get tweets a lot of the time asking us like someone will be like oh my goaltending sucks should i trade tage Thompson?" this is like tweets we've gotten this week like should i trade tage thompson for a goalie should i trade rupe hints for a goalie it was even for like not even that good of a goalie one of the tweets we got but it was like so oh binnington like someone's struggling It was like now's my chance whatever and like wanting to offer these like amazing stars and my first suggestion is always like who's in free agency because like you know you could trade rupe hit rope hints i guess i should say his name right you could trade rope hints one of the like on one of the best lines in the League for Binnington, or you can get Martin Jones or Vitek Vanacek, or one of these other guys we're going to talk about, like for free, and just ride the free agency when they start to stink. Tr- switch to someone else. So for me, like if you are going to tweet at us uh, with a question like that, we're happy to try to answer. But I always think to myself, I don't know if I would trade a superstar forward for any goalie unless it's like you know whatever vasilevsky like you know someone you could really rely on. Uh, by the way, since we're you mentioned those things about the Devils being really good. I should mention quickly, I did have it in my notes here to bring up that, like, of course, Brat, Hughes, He are all still looking great. We don't need to talk about them anymore. Uh, we've already done that a lot. But for deeper leagues, how about that? I think the fourth line or the third, I don't even know what line this is, but this line of Miles Wood, Michael McLeod, and Nathan Bastion just had an amazing week. And I'll just highlight specifically uh, Miles Wood here. He picked up points in four straight games now, including two goals and one assist versus Edmonton on Thursday, then a goal assists versus Calgary yesterday. He said huge shot counts seven, two, eight and four are his shot counts in his last four games We're talking about miles wood here uh, he's been on the second power play also and no power play points so maybe you could even count on a power play point every now and then to supplement that uh nathan bastion also has been pretty decent he has five points in four games mcleod four points in his last four games Brian, what do you think? Miles Wood, anything here, really quickly? Like, you know, for the people in deeper leagues, I'm sure he's still available, but probably becoming less and less available as he's on this big hot streak. Are you happy to just let your opponent go and grab Miles Wood, or if, is what you're saying about the Devils being such a good team mean that you want even like a hot player on the fourth line or third line?
0: Fourth line is where Miles Wood is playing by by my view, and uh, no, like I I think Miles Wood makes a good deep cut ad if you're in a shots league there's value there for sure the way he's shooting and he might get you uh, a hit or two a night as well but he's not playing a whole lot of minutes um his shot rates are incredible like they are out of this world because he's taken so many shots with so little ice time and it's been exciting to see like it's always fun when these guys come on the radar wood mcleod bastion doing things that we don't expect them to do but this is this is a checking line this is a fourth line checking like if you were going to say that the Devils are playing a, a top nine these guys would not be in that top nine. They'd be in the other three. So I wouldn't uh, I, I don't think I'd be going very far out of my way for Miles Wood. You know, he did call out his teammates. We mentioned it. Was it a week or two ago? And now he's stepping up. I feel like that's that's good. This guy's a yeah. leader. He's leading by example, but he's leading from the fourth line and second power of the unit. I think yeah, I think the best you could hope for from Miles Wood is like a, a Tampa Bay Yanny Gord. But I, I don't think he's gonna get there even maybe he'll be more like a Tampa Bay Matthew Joseph like he plays his role well uh, doesn't really involve scoring but again uh, Miles Wood is a good deep cut for shots on goal if those are something that can help you
1: Yeah, like Shams is saying in the chat here, how about Fabian Zetterlund, who's been playing with Hesher and Tatar? That's great. But like, I would almost think if Miles Wood keeps playing well, that's the thing that I think we sometimes overlook on the podcast. I think I said it on a show or two ago. Like, for now, Miles Wood is only on the fourth line. So even if he's on a hot streak, it's like, are we really going to add him? But like, if a player does well, and the coach sees the player is doing well, the coach could Promote him, get, reward him. So maybe all of a sudden Zetterland gets sent down the lineup, and all of a sudden Smiles Wood with Hishir and Tatar. I don't know what's going to happen. Like I don't like. Obviously the Devils are doing well, so why would they like switch things around? But. I don't know. So, uh, someone to watch. Okay. Adam, to your watch this. I just want to see what's going to happen. Uh, okay. And then I guess speaking of like players on these uh, goalies teams that we just talked about, let's go to Seattle again. Brian, I wanted to ask you about uh, a guy who really disappointed me this week because the Kraken had a great week. They scored 12 goals in three games. So you'd expect a guy that was on their top line and top power play who was a point per game going into the week. He must have feasted, right? But no, Jaden Schwartz. Did nothing, And when I say nothing, like nothing. He had zero couple points total in his last couple games. That means no shots, no hits, no blocks, obviously no points. Just the most... I hate this, okay? And I have Jaden Schwartz on a couple of my fantasy teams. Again, another reason maybe why I'm not having the best season so far, because I could have had Kuzmenko, but instead I held on to Jaden Schwartz. Uh, so Brian what's going on with Jaden schwartz is he a drop now or is this just like a random blip like the person that we should have had adam k also wanted us to ask about Jaden schwartz the person that adam and i should have like dropped schwartz for for this week is yanny gourd who's like in the bottom six and who like miles wood said i don't care if i'm in the bottom six i'm still gonna go off uh, gourd had five points in his last three games including a goal and two assists versus pittsburgh he's been playing with uh Well, I don't know. Like, I guess he hasn't really been playing with Morgan Geeky and Daniel Sprong. I guess they're fourth line. They're also doing well. Like, all these random guys are doing well in Seattle. Meanwhile, Jaden Schwartz did nothing. So just curious to get your quick take on Schwartz and if he's a hold or if you drop him after these couple, like, donuts.
0: It's so frustrating that Jaden Schwartz, uh, you know, we were hopeful for him last year nothing really happened. And now Schwartz has, like, proved himself to be legit rosterable for the first chunk of the season. And then, as you said, Elon, a couple big cupful donuts in a row, two straight cardio sessions. I I don't know, Elon, what to make of this. I do know that because Schwartz has spent so little time being legit, it's not going to take a whole lot of time for me to want to give up on him either. So, like, I'm looking, I'm looking at the last games. like, okay, I don't know if this is good or bad news, but Schwartz was only on the ice for one goal. Scored the the Kraken scored just once with Schwartz on the ice over the last three games against uh, who was it Calgary Minnesota and Pittsburgh. Uh, it's like right, and you could say well maybe they deserved more. Well the bad news is is that uh, Schwartz's line has definitely been struggling in those last three performances. They've been the three worst shot attempt performances of the season, and I'm not even looking at shots against. Like I don't care shot attempts against. I just want to see them fire a whole bunch on the other uh, team's net. And they had their three, two season lows plus one tied for their second season. Worst season total of shot attempts uh, while on the ice. So this is bad news for Schwartz and his line, I think, because Seattle has a, a good off night schedule this week they play friday sunday i think i'll hold on to Jaden schwartz for this week the that valuable schedule earns him a stay of execution but again if schwartz continues to struggle it does feel like it's just back to where he was before a couple strong weeks like he hasn't been good enough long enough for me to be totally bought in and attached and ready to 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 hold on through thick and thin with Jaden schwartz he's uh he's just going to destroy his rep in the same amount of time he spent building it and that's that's just okay. You were asking about Yanni Gord, right? Should I? Well, I mentioned on? how
1: good he he's been, and like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what do you think?
0: That, yeah, he's, he's Yanni really good? good. Yeah, he's uh, a <laughs> he's I was looking at Yanni Gord all week as a target to stream next, but also I was scratching my head at what I was seeing. Like he just didn't seem like somebody who fit the profile of someone that i would be at all interested in adding playing basically on the third line, second power, not even the second power play. He he's seen uh, like almost zero. Total power play. I don't know if he's seen a combined 90 seconds on the power play so far this season. So, why would I want Gord? I mean, I remember the Tampa Gord that we just mentioned, who, when he went to Seattle, everyone was, oh, yeah, top line centerman, legit Yanni Gord is going to lead the expansion crack into a big season. Everyone was so pumped that even when he got injured long term, he was still drafted in drafts, not in the last round, like rounds, like mid-rounds, late and then stashed. And uh, then didn't deliver when he got healthy. So Gord now actually producing six goals uh, have been scored while he's on the ice on the last 36 shots that have been taken while he's on the ice. So I think that's one reason why Gord is piling up some points lately. I do like that he plays top nine minutes, right? He plays 14 minutes a night at five on five. That's good. He has a penalty kill role that um, they don't seem to have a power kill in Seattle. I don't think he's a threat to score very often on that penalty kill. He does have one shorthanded goal, though. I think, uh, yeah, I, I I don't... Here's the thing with Seattle. They've scored 28 times on their last 201 shots over their last seven games. They have three or more goals in seven straight games. They've had four or more goals in five of those. These are big goal-scoring numbers for the Kraken that aren't going to sustain. I think that's lifted Gord's numbers. Unfortunately, it hasn't lifted Schwartz, which is kind of confusing, but it's lifted a couple of their Kraken's numbers as well. And I'm not expecting the party to last for Yanni Gord, but maybe he can be like a solid, I don't know, 50 point player?
1: Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, probably around there. Someone that's on a hot streak. And sometimes you just want to listen to the podcast. We'll tell you some guys on hot streaks. Up to you. You go ride the hot streak if you want. Like Brian said, decent schedule next week. Uh okay, Brian, we have a lot more to get to. I got a lot more goalies still to talk about and then the players that are on their teams. We'll get to all that in just a sec. You're listening to Keeping Carlson. All right, Brian, we are back. Actually, one more uh, quick tidbit about the Kraken. Check out uh, Penny's brother, Jamie Oleksiak, in your bangers leagues. He's got four points in his last six games, along with really solid hits and blocks numbers. He had four hits and three blocks versus Pittsburgh yesterday. So if you need your bangers, Oleksiak's looking pretty good. But okay, let's go to Chicago now. Arvid Soderblom has been really good (laughs) in his last four games. 924 save percentage. uh, But he didn't play in the third period for Chicago yesterday. Apparently, he wasn't feeling well. So hopefully that means he'll be okay for the next game. They had to bring in Dylan Wells, who's their fifth string goalie. So there's, you know, Morazic got injured. Staylock has a concussion. Apparently their next guy is Soderblom. And then the next after that is this guy named Jackson Stauber in the minors, but he's injured. So that's why they had Dylan Wells come in and he actually stopped 12 of 13. So nice feel good story for Dylan Wells. Apparently, so Chicago doesn't play now until next Thursday. And apparently the plan is for Petter Morazic to return. This will be a fun game to see who's going to play first and who's going to stay in the lineup longer between Petter Morazic and Matt Murray tweeted us and let us know who you think has more longevity between the two. Uh, I guess like most people would just suggest if Murazik is out there in IR and you need a goalie who's gonna play, stash him, especially if like uh, you know Staylock is hurt and whatever. Like Murazik's coming back now. But I would personally say that now's a good time while Soderblom is injured. If you have a move left for this week, if you're listening to this like live with us on Sunday, or you know if you just have an extra move next week, grab Soderblom and stash him, because he's been really good. And I don't have any faith in Mrazik or Alex Daylock to hold up. So I think there's going to be another stretch this season where Soderblom's playing a lot of games. Uh, so... My vote is uh, of the guy, if you want someone in Chicago, which maybe you don't, but they have been a bit better than we expected them to be, I'm interested in in Soderblom right now, even though he's hurt. I'm saying, like, the fact that he's hurt is, like, the opportunity to get him in stash him without having to drop someone.
0: Right. Because Mrazik, if he plays, he may not play well. And uh, if he plays, he also might get injured. I, I'm with you, Elon, but it's only insofar as I want any Chicago goalie. Like, the best-case scenario, if you're playing for Chicago, I was looking at some examples already from this year. Best case. By the way, Elon, I don't know how we haven't mentioned, uh, I think we did earlier in the season, but Carter Hart, 946 save percentage. that's yeah, amazing. So far, like, that's that sounds like an above-average 5-on-5 five five number. That's his all-strengths number. He And he leads the league in minutes played. So Carter Hart just... Uh, taking all the shots and uh, stopping a whole bunch of them. So good for you, Carter Hart. The and good for ca-
1: Philly, by the way, not being the disaster we thought they would be. Like, right. I guess like Tortorella, yeah. I don't like them, but I got to give them credit. Like, this team, I was expecting to be really, really bad. And uh, they're not, obviously, like, yeah, yeah. getting good goals in the but overall, yeah.
0: Right. Like, this is unsustainably good goaltending, right? So uh, at least we, we figure it will. I don't think Carter Hart is going to be the first 945 season long. Save percentage goalie, we've seen. Uh, The worst case, by the way, the flip side of this for a Chicago starter is in Anaheim, where you have John Gibson with an 883 save percentage. The petamorazic case scenario is an 873 save percentage, which is what he's pitching so far. And uh, honestly, you could fall anywhere in between. So go ahead. You know, you can take a shot on Soderblom, standing up well to a whole bunch of volume. Remember that Marc-Andre Fleury wasn't doing so well standing up to a whole bunch of volume in Chicago either. But he also,
1: for stretches, was. Like, he was good for a while. Yeah, the
0: the team is even worse this year. Soderblom isn't Fleury, probably, at least not yet. So, uh, look, it's a risk, but a calculated one. So if volume is rewarding in your league, then you could do worse than to take a shot on Arvid Soderblom.
1: Yeah. And also, again, that's my like sort of galaxy brain, like probably the smarter, like more basic move anyways, is to grab Mrazik if he's out there, if you want to get it because he's expected to be back. Right. So that's the, He's going to probably start Thursday. We'll see how he does. I'm not too optimistic though. Okay, let's go to Ottawa now. More goaltending talk. Cam Talbot returned for the Sens last week. He stopped all 13 in relief of Forsberg on Thursday and then he had another good game on Saturday stopping 26 of 28 in the 2-1 loss to Tortorella's Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, Anton Forsberg was looking really good to start the year and especially with Talbot injured until his last couple of games where he's kind of started to blow up. He's at a sub 900 save percentage versus both Tampa and Vegas. To be fair, those are two tough teams to play against. But yeah, Forsberg wasn't up to the task. So now now in fantasy like what's the plan moving forward here like do we just assume talbot is the starter i think a lot of people like i actually i know you were saying that you thought that forsberg was probably the de facto starter i kind of always had the hunch that when ottawa traded for talbot it was because they were going to make him the starter or maybe like 50 50 either way i'm not that interested in holding anton forsberg at the moment i think i'd rather have talbot or neither (laughs) so what's your take on what to do with sen's goalies in fantasy right now now that talbot is healthy and he's had a couple good games
0: Well, now the Sens goalies are back to being as appealing as they were going into the season, which is not very. We felt like Talbot and Forsberg were going to be in a straight up tandem and very hard to roster in leagues where goalie cuffs don't make a lot of sense. And there's a lot of leagues where that doesn't make sense. If it does, like if you just need to hit your minimum starts and volume isn't a thing, then sure, you could get both of them, get the Ottawa starts and enjoy. But otherwise, I'm not sure that you really, really want to have either one of these. Anton Forsberg, he's playing a little bit below what his expected numbers were. um, But he's also not had a lot of defensive support. And meanwhile, Talbot, in his career, he's never been better than an average goalie for any length of time. But that's still something like that's more than uh, Vanacek and Martin Jones have ever really accomplished. But Talbot also hasn't played um, as low like as far beneath his expected number as Forsberg has so far this year. And Forsberg hasn't even played that far below his number. Talbot has just been pretty good at sticking pretty close to average on a season-long basis. So I expect things to go back and forth between Talbot and Forsberg, especially because I think this decor is likely not going to let one guy perform very well for very long. I think they're going to hang each one of them out to dry with some regularity until, you know, maybe Pierre Dorian adds a piece uh, to solidify the defense or DJ Smith behind the bench finds a way to adapt or a different coach gets behind the bench and finds a way to adapt. Um, But I think those are reasons why neither Talbot nor Forsberg are going to be able to take the job long-term is because the defense in front of them might just not let them play so well. So that's, that's my take. I'm not looking at one as being any more valuable than the other. I really see them as equally valuable, which is um, not a great look in a lot of fantasy formats.
1: Yeah. Shams is uh, asking here in the chat. You're really pulling the ripcord now, not waiting a few games to see it out. Uh, no, like I, I think that I'm going to give you my prediction that I think it's gonna be 50-50. I guess if Talbot gets hurt, but like Talbot came and played okay. Forsberg was just dropped in tier one of the couple. K- uh we'll see he's gonna come off waivers tomorrow. So we'll see if someone drops a big fab bid on him. You can go to cucouple.com. Brian finally I'm gonna say the website as well, and you could look at the tier one. You know, we li- we have links to all the divisions. So if you're curious after listening to this, what happened with him? You can go and see the transactions for tier one Sweden and see if anyone paid big to get Talbot. I, I won't be making a bid. I've I'm rocking right now, I've got Brian check this out check out my goalie tandem I've got I've got Logan Thompson who I got in a trade for Josh Norris. Then I've got Martin Jones and Vey Vemelka, who I've both picked up out of free agency. <laughs> so we'll see how badly this goes for me. And so, but I feel like I'd rather have those three guys right now than Anton Forsberg. So I could be wrong, obviously. But uh, I mean, they didn't bring in Talbot to be a backup. That's, that's my opinion. By the way, the Lions in Ottawa yesterday, really, like Ben and I were talking about it on Thursday, how they've been really switching things around. It's all the same guys in the top six, just in different combinations in that game versus Philly. Stutzla with Kachuk and Giroux, And then Pinto centering Batherson and DeBrinket. They lost. So who knows? Maybe they'll switch it around again for the next game. I wasn't planning on bringing up Pinto again because we've talked about him like every single episode. But Ryan Downey asked us. He's in such a good spot. But he's not doing anything. Uh, he did have six shots versus Philly at least, which is nice because he's had all those games without shots. So I think just those six shots are telling me I'm going to hang on to him a little longer. See how he does Tuesday. Uh, I don't want to like drop him and then have him pull a Kuzmenko, also like I keep on bringing up. Uh, but yeah, I don't know how much we still need to talk about Shane Pinto. It's a great spot, great opportunity. Let's go now, man. Got to got to bury some of these shots.
0: Well, it's nice that, you know, Pinto did put up those six shots in the last game. So that's something. And uh, yeah, I think that's actually all there is nice to say about Shane Pinto right now. I mean, you if you gave him his average, like if you regress his shooting percentage because he's shooting still, you know, 27% or something, Pinto would be below a half point per game player, which would be like, forget it. You know, we'd be talking about him probably like... Or we could be talking about him like a Ryan Johansson, some new hangs around in a, a less quality top six, but hangs around still isn't worth rostering despite that deployment. But Pinto's in a really good spot, a better one than Ryan Johansson. And he seems to be a, a, like a good, I think I've mentioned this every show, like a, a good player, like a good, smart, all-around player. But that does not always translate into points. And we just don't know yet that it will. But the fact that Pinto's playing on uh, line 1B and a power play 1B situation, uh, like, he's really hard to pass up. Pinto's the kind of guy that you could probably get away with dropping for now, but it's going to be a race to add him once he strings a couple points together, which will happen. And then once he strings a couple points together, it's going to be a matter of whether it stops and starts over and over or goes smoothly out. Basically, we don't know what's going to happen with Shane Pinto, but he's in. It looks like he's too good a player and in too good a deployment situation to not produce at least for a short stretch. So, his numbers so far aren't not they're not terribly impressive. They don't scream this guy's going to deliver like other guys we've seen in the past who we sort of called them a little bit before they came along. Not seeing that yet with Pinto, but I um yeah, I don't know if I had extra room on my roster I'd be I'd be holding on for another game or two and seeing if he can if he can deliver. But I I definitely understand if anyone's losing patience at this point, especially if he's not putting six shots on net again. If he goes back to taking none or one shots a game, then he's going to be a pretty easy drop despite his deployment.
1: Yeah, yeah. Leash is very tight at this point for Pinto. Okay, let's go to Columbus now. More goaltending talk. Yunus Corposalo returned for Columbus in Finland versus Colorado on Saturday, and he got a taste of what Elvis Merzlikins has been dealing with all season. 45 shots against, of which Corposalo was able to stop 40 of them as Columbus got shelled once again by Colorado. Uh, the, it's not a fair fight, those two teams playing each other. I saw a quote by Patrick Laine basically saying he wishes they didn't even go to play these games in Finland just because it went so badly, so I feel bad for everyone in that situation. Merslickens, yeah, like I said, uh, did equally terrible in the game on Friday. Uh, that, like, anyone who had Merzlikens on their roster basically got a seven goals against game versus New Jersey back on October 30th, then held him all week for f- just one game on Friday where he let in five goals and now you're if you're still holding on to Merzlikas you're holding him all the way until next Thursday where you're hoping that he'll finally not let in five plus goals and I just don't know how likely that is Brian I dropped him in our league that we're both in together and you added him so I'm curious to know like what your plan is I'm not judging I'm, I'm curious like are you going to hold now uh, till next Thursday or as a two Kachuk to Chuck, to Chuck uh, asked in our discord just like what's going on with him Like, I'm curious so what's your plan in General and what do you think? Is there any hope here? Uh, because maybe once Columbus plays a non-Colorado team, you got to imagine if Merslickens continues to struggle, Corpusalo gets another game. I don't really have that much faith in him. He's kind of like a Martin Jones to me at this point. I'm talking about a lot of goalies who I don't have much faith in this episode. But uh, yeah, anything to Corpusalo and also our, how much longer Lickens manager is supposed to hold on.
0: It's really hard to hold on. I mean, you dropped Merzlikens in a league where I picked him up, and my justification for that is that Merzlikens hasn't burned me yet, so I might as well give him a shot and, you know, see if he doesn't bite my face off. But he looks terrible, like, by every measure. It's not looking good. Um, he's getting he's not getting awful protection, but it is, you know, the, the, Columbus, the Blue Jackets can be pretty bad. Like, they give up a couple or a handful of grade-A scoring chances each night. And I think if Merzlikens can't handle it, I, I don't think it's likely Corpasalo can. corpasalo has been very bad in the last couple seasons, uh, over 10 basis points below his expected number, Ding. which is in that territory of being bad. Uh, and Corpusalo for that reason, has been limited to backup duty behind Merzlikins. If he couldn't beat Merzlikins then for the job, could he now? Uh, the door is open, but I wouldn't expect Eunice to corporalize on this opportunity. Outside of his rookie season in 2015-16, where Corpusalo appeared 31 times, he's never, ever played at or above his expected save percentage, has often played a fair deal below. I'm not optimistic that Corpusalo. if Elvis can't do it, I don't think Eunice can.
1: Yeah, it's just a bad situation there. And speaking of this dumpster fire in Columbus, Andrea, who's here in the chat. Hey, Andrea, uh, wanted us to talk about Johnny Gaudreau, who now has only one assist in his last four games, uh, bringing him down to nine points in 12 games on the season. Uh, yeah, not great. Maybe I'm willing to throw out these last couple of games versus Colorado. Like they were just totally outmatched. Maybe, you know, once Columbus plays slightly easier competition, Gaudreau will start doing a little bit better. But i kind of at a point now where I see point per game as like a a big success for him like I think like point per game would be Goudreau's ceiling in terms of what I'd be expecting from him and I think it's possible he can still do that but definitely nothing near the like 100 plus points that he did last year so Brian what do you think is there any reason for hope for any more than that at this point or is even like point per game starting to look like a bit of a stretch
0: I don't think point per game is looking like a stretch at all actually I, I like what I'm seeing from Johnny Goudreau believe it or not There's oh, okay a, like his lower assist rates at five on five and I think that's because uh, his line mates aren't scoring. I saw, remember, Liney was injured for a bunch too. Uh, last year, Goudreau's line was scoring at a 13% success rate. This year, the Blue Jackets with Goudreau on the ice are scoring on just 7.6% of their shots. It's a big cut, and I wouldn't expect the Blue Jackets to score on 13% of their shots again with Goudreau on the ice, but maybe like nine and a half, ten percent 10% is not unreasonable given the talent between Goudreau, Liney, and Jenner if they're all playing together. The real problem is by the way, uh, with Gaudreau, and the reason I'm not that concerned about what I've seen so far is that Gaudreau has zero power play points so far. Zero. He hasn't had a point with the man advantage. And Maybe you're like, well, Brian, that is a reason to be concerned. Why is that a reason to not be concerned? I'll tell you why. It's because uh, Columbus on their power play, they, they're shooting only 5%, all right? Uh, They've converted on just 6% of their opportunities. The Blue Jackets are two for 33 on the power play. Gaudreau himself has one and a half expected goals. The Blue Jackets themselves have more expected goals than the two that they've actually scored. And so I, but I actually looked and I compared uh, how the unit was performing in Columbus this year, uh, the top power play unit compared to how they performed last year. And uh, they're actually doing better. Like they actually look more dangerous according to expected goals rates than they did last year. So I don't, I was going to say maybe they're still trying to figure it out and how to be dangerous and how to make this work. Maybe that is a small piece of it, but they're actually looking really good. Um, They're just not converting at the rate they probably deserve to. So if I were to regress that Columbus power play uh, to uh, a better conversion rate, which would be like, Three to four times what they've converted on so far, so you know let's let's spot the Blue Jackets another four or five power play goals. Assume Johnny Gaudreau would have pointed on at least three of them. Boom, he's at a point per game pace. It's Boom. just that easy. Yeah, like good for Gaudreau to be honest for having nine points in twelve games without any power play production. I think that's going to come. I think it's a nice buy low in Johnny Gaudreau for anyone who's thinking the sky is falling. I, I because Gaudreau is still landing right around our preseason projection of a point per game player. And I don't see any reason to move off that. Okay. Well,
1: good. I guess (laughs) you always kind of do that fun thing where it's like the whole time you were, uh, you know, talking about how great he is. And then you ended up landing where I was, which is like, I think he's probably a point per game player and not the hundred point guy. So it sounds like we're in agreement. He's not going to like fall off the earth and and continue to get one point every four games like he has, but also maybe you don't want to expect anything like too, too crazy. Like he did last year where everything was just going so right. Like there's a lot of things going wrong. Brian's brought up lots of reasons to expect some of those things to turn around and be less wrong, including some more power play points. Yeah, I'm with you. I think he's around a point per game guy. and if as long as that's your expectation, I don't think he's going to disappoint you too much. And if you could get him for cheaper than that, yeah, sure. Yeah, buy low. Uh, okay, back to some more goalie talk. Tweet from uh, Philip Johansson asked us at Keeping Carlson is now the time to drop Markstrom and Frederick Anderson and pick up Huso and Skinner. Uh, which is kind of like to me, like right away I want to be like, no, like obviously not. That's two like goalies who were like in like the top couple tiers for us. which more goalies broke last year for a couple lower. But you know, let's look at the the data here. Uh, Jacob Markstrom has been really bad lately. He's led in three, three, and four goals in his last three games. He's only got a 900 save percentage on the season. Uh, Frederick Anderson has actually won five of his seven games. But Brian, this is the quintessential example of what you were talking about before with some other guys about goalies on teams where they just like don't let in so many shots. So even if Anderson, Anderson had a couple games this season where he's only letting a couple goals but still had a save percentage less than 900 just because carolina is so good at suppressing shots so his save percentage is 894 how this must be pretty rare for a goalie to have five wins in seven games but still only have an 894 save percentage so that's not great for you unless your league is just really heavy on wins meanwhile on the other side of this question we've got Billy huso who has had three straight one or zero goals against games capped off by a 24 save shutout of the islanders yesterday he's having an amazing season so far five wins also just like anderson in seven games with a 941 save percentage and then uh stewart skinner uh, looking at his situation. So Jack Campbell just got blown up again by Dallas yesterday. He led in six goals on 36 shots. S- Stuart Skinner took a loss in his last game as well, but was better. He stopped 39-43 versus New Jersey, who's like the best team in the league, according to Brian. Uh, he has a 944 save percentage on the season. So, I don't know. I mean, obviously, that we could do deep dives on all four of these guys. I don't know if you want to do that, but do you want to like, what's your current uh, concern level with Mark Sturm and Anderson? And then how hot are we on Husso and, and Skinner here? Like, do you think that Phillip should make this bold move and drop these two guys for these two guys in his free agency?
0: No, I don't. And the reason that I don't think Phillips should drop Markstrom and Anderson for Huso and Skinner, the first is volume. Huso is, like, clearly seems to be on a schedule with Nadalkovich, where Huso starts two, Nadalkovich Nidal- starts one, and that's you know, even with the noted difference in their performances, even who's, who's been amazing. All right. He's crushing it at all strengths. And so is uh, Stuart Skinner. He is also crushing it in all situations, but for the reasons we've mentioned already this season, I don't know how eager the Oilers are to really hand him the reins, given that they've made a real big investment in Jack Campbell. And I don't think they want to, like, I, I really do think there is pride at stake here uh, from, with the Oilers front office. They're, they haven't always, I, I don't think that's a surprise to say that they haven't always let what's happening on the ice dictate their choices. There's a lot of media noise, a lot of front office egos and feelings and thoughts. And so that's why I think, I mean, if, if Stuart Skinner proves to be the only viable option, sure. But I don't think Jack Campbell is going to get a, a low number of chances to prove that he can do it. And I think he'll, he can be a capable timeshare guy, which I think might be the best case scenario for Skinner, so long as Campbell is not costing the Oilers the game every time he plays. Um, So Markstrom and Anderson, the reason I still like them is because they're both playing above expected. They've got a lot of volume. Um, Markstrom's actually doing fine at five on five, actually. I think the Flames are still adjusting and tinkering and figuring out how they're going to play. Their their defense has slipped compared to last year, and I think that's something Daryl Sutter is still working on. And uh, I think we see the result in Markstrom's numbers so far, but I think he'll get better protection and I hope he'll find his groove. To be honest, like we can't be so dead set, assured that Markstrom is going to be great, but he doesn't really have a backup to challenge him, right? He's got uh, R, Vla- you know Vlad Ash. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't think he's going to challenge for starts. <laughs> so um, that gives Markstrom a big, a big leg up um, on Skinner for sure. Maybe who so? Of course, it depends on what your league rewards. And then Freddie Anderson has been fantastic at five on five, um, but he does have that problem where he's on a team that's really strong defensively and doesn't get a lot of shots that he faces um, Carolina, by the way, I'd say if new jersey's the first the, the best team in the league, I'd say Carolina's a second or in line to be second they, wow. they, yeah, they look really good
1: where's Colorado um, in this list
0: um Well, if I'm going by expected goals share at five on five, which is one of the ways I'm making this pronouncement. Elon, you won't believe this. The Colorado's 23rd. <laughs> the thing with Colorado
1: is don't they like draw a million penalties?
0: So then they could just do a lot they of damage do, on the power exactly. play? Exactly. Yeah. So this is their five on five number. Last year they were better at five on five. But yeah. Yeah. They do their damage uh, on the power play for sure. But Freddie Anderson, speaking of damage on the power play, he takes his damage on other teams' power plays. He has just a 650 save percentage while shorthanded. He'll whopping 150 basis points below expected or save points. Uh, like by the way, he so he's putting up a 759 Fenwick save percentage so that includes all shots that miss the net too. Uh, give giving him credit for those. Uh, versus an expected 908 save percentage shorthanded, which is crazy. Like Carolina's penalty kill is wild if they're given Anderson an expected nine oh eight. Usually, your expected save percentage as a goalie is in the eight eighties. So uh, that Carolina penalty kill doing all they can, and Anderson really having a hard time with it. So all this to say, Elon, I think it's a it's a novel thought, and I think you have to be open to the thoughts. I can't remember who it was that asked if they should drop Mark Philip Sterman. Johansson. F- oh, okay, yeah. So I don't know if Philip should like. I, I think it's good for Philip to be having this thought depends on what your league format rewards i probably wouldn't have the stones to do this i'd like i'll I'll stick with the two guys i know are gonna 100 percent start the large majority of the games all season long thank you very much but you like but you have to think as a fantasy manager where your edge is and uh thinking at least about making the swap will will do you good according to your own league's rules
1: well remember i was telling you before about how we were getting Questions on Twitter of people wanting to trade like Tage Thompson or Rope Hins for like a st- even a struggling goalie. So if you're like, what I would suggest to Philip is if you can get superstars for Markstrom and Anderson and then get Huso and Camp and Skinner for free out of free agency to fill your goalie spots instead. Do that, right? Like I don't. I'm agreeing with Brian. I just can't imagine dropping Markstrom or Anderson straight up. But I would love to trade them to someone who believes in them and is willing to give a really stud skater for them and then ride those free agent goalies because you have some good goalies there at free agency. Yes. Uh, Okay, We've, we are in agreement. By the way, uh, Joel is saying in the chat that no matter how little faith you have in Vladash, apparently Sutter said that he plans to play Vladash one game a week. So that's going to limit how much volume Markstrom can get, which I think makes sense because you want Markstrom to be, you know, kind of like fresh for the playoffs if they get there. It's also crazy that you're saying that Calgary's D has slipped. The whole like... Everything in the offseason, we were talking about how, like, wow, Calgary had, like, one of the best defenses, and now they brought in Mackenzie Weger and didn't really lose anybody. And uh, Very hard to predict this game of hockey, but yet we still try to do this podcast, drop five shows in you a week trying to predict this game. Uh, okay, we're still talking about goalies, and we were talking about Huso. Let's talk about his uh, former teammate, Jordan Binnington, who started strong, but he's been struggling himself lately. Six, five, and four goals against in his last three games versus Montreal, LA, and the Islanders. Binnington is now down to an 879 save percentage on this season. Who knows? At this point, I'm starting to get tired of talking about goalies, honestly. But like, uh, is this gonna be another rough year for Binnington? It's now the time to buy low. Who that? You know, what what do we do here? Thomas grice is the backup. I don't really have much faith in him, so my gut tells me to just like stick with Binnington and try to trade for him if if you could get him for cheap. But uh, I don't know. It's not, not not looking good. He did this last year to us.
0: Yeah, he did. And uh, it is kind of tiresome to be talking about all these goalies, right? Because all we can do is throw our hands in the air. If you have Bennington, I I think I'd have more patience with Bennington than I would Lickens. How's that for some useful context? Just because uh, you know, Columbus has seems like they have less of a chance of riding the ship and finding the way to to lock it down defensively and pick up some wins Mm -hmm. versus St. Louis, who like has a similar lineup that took the avalanche to, did they get to seven games or was it? They they took the avalanche deep into the playoffs last season. So you would think that this team would still be capable and they have some things to figure out. They're having pressure from their GM and their coach and everyone knows they've got to figure it out somehow. Um, And that's why I'll I'll will hold on to Bennington. Also because there's there's no challenger. I don't think so t- we had someone ask is it possible that Tomas Grice can steal the job from Bennington? I don't think so. And I think that's one of the reasons the blues brought him in, is because he can't steal the job from Bennington, who seems to have trouble performing when there's somebody breathing down his neck. So they solved that problem, but now Bennington has his own problems to solve. The defense has been okay. They haven't been great. Uh, they can probably improve there. They can probably get Bennington some more run support too. So that's why I am, uh, look, I can't say, I. these are goalies, goalies, right? What What in the world do we do with them? We know that they're not, we can't count on Bennington doing great, but I'm willing to be a little more patient with him than I would be someone like Elvis Merzlikens.
1: Yeah, I'm, I've am i got uh, this guy, Joel Hofer, I, don't, I might not be pronouncing that right, in my dynasty league, in my minors, and I'm yeah. excited for him to get a shot at some point. So, yeah this is ju- this is
0: juicy for anyone who's got he's, he he had a good uh calder cup run in the ahl playoffs last season
1: yeah. bring him in if, if grice gets injured or, or Bennington. Watch out. Okay. <laughs> okay. One more goalie, Brian. And then we're going to end part one here. And then we'll move on to some skaters for the second half of the show here. But uh, I wanted to just mention really quickly on the plus side, Karol v. Melka. hes I think he's like a really good goalie. <laughs> like hes he reminds me of like Ricard Raquel, who I always thought was like a really good player, but just on a team that was holding him back. It t- t- turned out that maybe he's not as amazing as I thought he was. But Karol v. Melka I'd be so curious to see how he would do another team. In this past week, he beat both Florida and Washington, stopping 41 of 42 versus Florida. Then he stopped 34 of 36 uh in the game versus Washington. There was a game versus Dallas in the middle where he didn't look as great, but to be fair, he wasn't even supposed to start that game. But Connor Ingram only lasted eleven minutes before getting pulled, so Vegmelk had to come in on his vacation day. Uh but like I just think he's like really good as a goalie. Of course in fantasy his team matters and Arizona's clearly not that great. But yet, like he's capable of these huge that game versus Florida, like how many couple points was that worth like so many. I've grabbed him in my league and I don't know I I just want to hold on to him I know that every once in a while he'll give me a negative but I have more faith in him like I think he might be a better goalie than like a Bennington or a Jack Campbell or like all these guys Merslickens like I don't I'm not sure like I would be curious to see one day if a Malka ever gets a chance to be on a good team and to see what he can do uh but yeah just want to throw him out there what do you think? yay or nay to like vey melka as someone that's like a a good goalie and b maybe even worth rostering in a league unless it like you know really just matters like if it only counts like goals against average and wins maybe you don't want him but if you're getting points for saves he's it's pretty good
0: yeah yeah getting points for saves is great you're not gonna get points for wins uh goals against is gonna hurt too uh like arizona barely protects the guy Uh, he has one of the worst expected save percentages in the league and that speaks to the degree or the the lack of defense capability around around so that's a that's a bummer for him but the thing he's got going for him is what uh guys in carolina and new jersey and toronto don't which is that if he lets one in he might get another eight or nine shots against to stop and make it. of course, when he doesn't stop those, then you're, then you're really in trouble, but more often than not, Elon, he's done. He's done. Okay. He's, he's kind of proving that he could stay in the league. He's doing better so far relative to his expected number this year than he was last year um, for whatever that might be worth. So yeah, good job. Carl Melka for holding up under some pretty insane volume and threatening workloads.
1: Yeah, and by the way, uh, Arizona, good schedule. Next week, they play four times, and one person who's going to be in the lineup for all four games is Dylan Genther. Who is has officially like made the team for the season. They decided not to send him down after those nine games. So congratulations to him. And hey, he's been on the top line with Clayton Keller and Barrett Hayden, or at least in the last game. Uh, he had a stretch of five points in five games before going quiet for his last two. Uh, but now, kind of interesting, right? I'll take someone playing with Clayton Keller with a, such a high pedigree uh, for four games next week. Brian, let's say you want to stream in any Coyote. You could have anyone aside from Keller or Goss bear okay? You have the whole team at your disposal. Let's say you had roster spots for him on Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday. Who are you taking? Okay, I'll, I'll throw some options at you. I already threw out Genther. Uh, then you've got Lawson Kraus, who's had goals in three straight games before yesterday where he didn't get a goal, but he did take four shots. Uh, Nick Ritchie, three goals in his last three games. There's a guy named Matthias Michelli, who's been playing with Krauss. He has four assists in his last four games. But you've got the whole, uh, you got the whole team at your disposal. Who are you streaming in from Arizona?
0: I think, uh <laughs> I don't know, Elon. I might go. It's funny because normally I'd say, well, I'll take the guy playing with Clayton Keller. But the guys playing with Clayton Keller uh, at five on five are Barrett Hayton and Dylan Gunther. And then I would expect to see one of those names match up with who's on the top power play. But I don't. Clayton Keller on the top unit is playing with Nick Ritchie and Travis Boyd. So... <laughs> Like usually, there's an like especially with such a thin roster, you would think it was easy. I think, I don't know, Elon, I I think I'll go with Lawson Kraus. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah, I mean, seven points in eleven games. He's got five sh- five goals on twenty three shots, which is. It's high, like it's a 22% shooting percentage. But last year he held a 15% shooting percentage. So I don't know, maybe he could have three or four goals uh, in this time. And that, that could be legit. And that still puts him over half a point per game. Uh, he hits, he shoots, I think. I think, uh, yeah, I don't I don't know who the other, I mean, you mentioned Matthias Michelli and Nick Ritchie, I guess would be the other consideration. has eight points in 11 games, but he's shooting 38% with six goals on just 16 shots. Uh, Michelli has seven assists and takes, uh, this is one of the, the lowest shot rates I've seen from a forward ever, 0.4 shots per game. Hmm. He has four shots in 11 games.
1: I guess he knows what to do, which is to pass to Lawson Kraus or, or Nick Ritchie or someone that's uh, <laughs> right, some, right, Someone
0: else who's converting at an unreasonably high percentage. All right. Well, uh, Brian, that's it for
1: goalies, okay? And that's it for part one of this episode. We've still got a lot of fun hot streaks and cold streaks to get to, including a lot of suggestions from the patrons of Keeping Carlson, who I asked what they wanted us to talk about. So we're going to get to all that in part two. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, But we'll take a quick break here. Go to your podcast provider and uh, ask them for part two, and I'm sure they'll deliver it to you. It should be available to you right now. So talk to you soon in part two of this episode 460 of Keeping Carlson. Bye.